I want to go ahead and introduce uh, today's webinar session. Welcome, everyone. Um, my name is Alejandra Guayas. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Uh, today, our Y session is focused on our first-generation Jacobs uh, School of Engineering uh, faculty. Uh, so we have some great uh, uh, information prepared for you all. Uh, you'll hear about their journey as well as kind of learn what led them to academia, but also just uh, kind of... Uh, learn from their own accomplishments as you navigate your own journey here at UC San Diego. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started with introductions. Uh, Professor Tina, if you would like to go first. Hi, um, I'm Tina Ng uh, at the Easy Electrical and Computer Engineering Department. Um, is that that type of introduction or you want more information, Alexandra? Maybe for now. For <laughs> now, thank you. And then Professor Mosqueda. Hi, my name is Gilberto Mosqueda. I'm a professor in the Department of Structural Engineering. I've been here at ECSD going probably close to 10 years now. And uh, I well, teach undergraduate classes, graduate classes, and also do research in the area of uh, earthquake engineering, looking at how to design buildings to better resist earthquakes. And I'll go next, I guess. Uh, yeah, this is Boris Kramer. Um, I am an assistant professor in mechanical and aerospace engineering. This is my second year at UCSD, so I'm fairly new to the environment. And unfortunately, the whole second year has been uh, COVID uh, struck, but um, it's, been, it's been a great start here. Uh, my research is in computational methods and applied mathematics to engineering problems, um, particularly um, surrogate modeling, but also uncertainty quantification. I teach courses both in our undergraduate curriculum, but also in the, in the graduate division. And yeah, I'm happy to share some of my experiences in, in the past as a first-gen student as part of this panel and looking forward to meet all of you all. Thank you so much. Uh, for this webinar today, we do encourage you to be active in the Q&A. <coughs> there's any questions that come up for you. In the meantime, we'll go ahead and get started with some other questions that I've prepared. Uh, what was it like being the first in your family to go to college? Uh, Professor Mosqueda, we'll go ahead and start off with you. Um, oh, it was a lot of unknowns, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, went on, I did have older siblings that went to college. Um, I was the first to explore uh, STEM-related field. And uh, I think along with that, there came a lot of uncertainty in the beginning from you know, when we started college, it's like, what is engineering? And uh, not having anybody to ask, not knowing anybody um, you know, to ask, you know, like what type of engineering, you know, I like math, you know, what, what should I do? Um, so it's just ha not having, um, I guess, access to, um, to people uh, that could answer some of your questions. Um, but I think once I arrived at the university, uh, there was quite a bit of, of support network, uh, you know, with programs like the Idea Center. Uh, I did my undergraduate at UC Irvine, so not so far uh, from here. And, um, you know, th there was a lot of programs like uh, the Idea Center uh, that were structured in helping uh, in supporting um, first-generation students, underrepresented students. And, uh, and really help 
find help me to find my way, especially in the area of research, to tell me, introduce me a little bit about about what 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 research was. Um, so it's uh, it is uh, uh, challenging, but I think you know what the you have to be able to, I guess, find your place and find find your uh, within your friends within the university a support network uh, to help you get through it, and, and that could include all the way through professors that could be mentors to you to help you, um, you know, get those questions answered and help guide you in a path uh, that um, to send, to find where you want to go. I don't, I don't want to take up too much time, but I can keep going, but. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Professor Tina. Yeah, like Gilberto, it was eye-opening. There's a lot of things that I didn't expect. And and actually, yeah, you need to find your support network. Just not be afraid to ask questions from like, you know, staff to faculty or even your own senior uh, uh, people who has gone through it like one year ahead of you, that's just easiest to get information from them. They will be happy to talk actually and complain, right? So those are really good avenues to find your way through it. Um, and really the first thing you, you were open to is I just realized there's so many things I didn't know. And that's the same for a lot of people. So don't be afraid. It's just unknowns out there and you, you're just there to explore. Thank you. Professor Cameron? Yeah, so maybe I'll fill in a little bit. Uh, my, my story is probably similar than Gilberto, just on a, a different continent, basically. I hail from uh, Germany. And so I, I grew up in a, in a household with, uh, you know, my dad was a car mechanic. I was very, very interested in working on cars all the time. But eventually I figured with good grades in math and physics, uh, I should kind of go study it. And for me, uh, I had an older brother who is more on the business side. So I was also the first one to go into STEM. And yeah, same questions came around. Like I kind of knew on the practical side what engineers are doing. I mean, they, they build bridges, they build cars, they do stuff. But how do you actually, like what are they doing eight hours a day in an office, you know? Um, what kind of computations do you have to do? How do you do um, design? How do you, what's the scientific kind of rigor to, to how you do any of these things? I had, I had no clue. And then uh, as Tina said, you know, you go and you ask other people, like, you know, some people that you know in your town or somewhere, they, they're two years ahead of you. So you ask them, you know, what's mechanical engineering like? What's structural engineering like? Um, at the end, I actually settled for a degree in math because someone told me, <laughs> who was like three or four years older than me, told me, well, if you do math, you can go into the engineering um, later because every engineering is full of math. Um, but if you do engineering, it might be hard to go into the math department. And so I was like, well, I'll take it. Uh, so I started studying math and then <clears throat> was always more inclined to do um, the, the applied math side. And then just going through college, I mean, oftentimes you don't know who to talk to. Um, certainly approaching, to me, it was strange approaching the professor. And now I'm actually wanting to tell you that it's perfectly fine to approach a professor because we would like to talk to you, we'd like to hear from you. Um, but no one told me that at the time and you just felt like you're sitting there in class and trying to make it out as fast as you can um, because the whole environment seemed a bit intimidating. 
but eventually you know you just gain confidence in your skills and you know the first good grades come around and 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 then you start meeting people and eventually you're kind of in it uh and you're part of it and then it's up to you what you make out of it but uh i think especially here in the us there's a there's a very good support system i feel compared to to what i've seen in europe very good support system here to help people through the way and you know we get paid as part of our job is you know obviously teaching service um outreach helping you all uh, that's part of our job so you're not taking away from our time you're we're actually paid to do that so you know always feel free to reach out and i think that's the number one thing you got to talk to people um you got to talk to us the, the teachers and the tas and your peers and, and that's the right to really help each other thank you uh, for the next question i would like to ask our panelists is tell us about your journey and what you think helped you succeed in becoming a faculty member at ucsd uh professor mosqueda um so what really set me on this path i think I, I one of the last things i mentioned previously was mentorship and um and kind of starting going back and starting from the beginning though um and I want to hit on also a point that uh, Boris brought up because I, I think that's kind of what what at least at least to me made the difference. And um, like I, like I said, I went to UC Irvine. I grew up in in LA, and uh, went to the LA inner city schools. And then you get to college, and you're like, what the heck? <laughs> in terms of the level of difficulty, you know, it's a whole different level. I mean, I did pretty good. I wasn't even, I, don't, I wouldn't even consider myself the top, near the top student in my high school. Um, I know admission is a lot different now. Um, so getting to college was like, you know, you do get a little bit of, of, of that imposter syndrome. And I think I've gotten at, at almost every level and you're like, what the heck am I doing here? And, and I struggled my first year in, in college. Um, uh, and um, it wasn't made to like my sophomore year that I was able to gain the confidence to think it was something that I could actually do. Um, a lot of that came from, well, I think we'll see, seeing the results in classes and, and getting A's, for example. Um, and the other big factor was the, these programs um, that I mentioned at, at the time. I know we had camp here at UC San Diego. I don't think it's no, long, no longer here. I think it was the program um, ended a couple years ago. Uh, but I was part of camp at UC Irvine, and we had a, a summer program. Um, went in as a sub in, in the summer, um, and then they kind of kept in, interacting with us throughout the year. It's very similar to what what the Idea Center does like, in terms of the, the types of activities uh, that I was engaged in. And you know, we had professors come and talk to us and tell us about the research, and they would always tell us, "Well, you know, go get involved in undergraduate research and go talk to a professor." So there I go as a sophomore, I had my faculty advisor in a meeting and I would ask my professor how to get involved in research and they're like, you're too young type of thing. Uh, and, but it was a question of what I was asked and eventually uh, he gave me a chance to work with them um, like in the end of my sophomore year. And uh, I started working on, on research, uh, doing first some coding, some, some programming, and then later in the lab, um, and kind of that coupled together, I was noticing like, you know, gaining more interest and knowing that I could do what I could do and being able to do well in my classes. I was doing, started to do much better in my classes. 
I was getting involved in research. And um, the project I worked on, uh, the second project I worked on as an undergraduate was uh, I had to build a little model uh, of a building. Uh, I had taken, you know, because in high school I was training more for a technical field, I took welding classes. So I did a little steel model, got to weld it myself. And uh, then uh, we had a little model uh, shake table that I got to shake it on. And to me, that was like, this is kind of like, you know, I'm playing in the lab, I'm like building things and destroying them. It kind of reminded me of, you know, army, little, little army wars that I had as a kid. And so uh, with my brother, we would build like, you know, our fortress and then, you know, throw rocks at, it, at them and try to destroy them. And so this is what I was doing. I was building models and, and shaking them until they broke. And it was just like a hobby. And I really liked what I, I really enjoyed doing that. And that's really what set me, I think, on this uh, journey to want to do research. Um, and it was, you know, I think all this was really due to uh, having a mentor that uh, gave me the opportunity to do very unique research. And um, I think I had probably a more hands-off approach than most undergraduates do. I think I was doing maybe, and that I recognized at the time, um, the grad student that I was working with kind of disappeared. So I kind of got the lab to myself. Um, and uh, it was just a great experience for me. And from that point on, you know, I had, had an excellent mentor. I still talked to him. I mean, I still enjoy, he's at Irvine, retired. He still lives in the area. And I haven't gone during COVID times, but I usually go every now and then and we meet up for, for a drink or something. Uh, so it's building that, you know, kind of next level relationship with, with, with your mentor. And like every step of the way, you know, when I, when I was going to grad school, you know, where should I go? Um, for my PhD program, where should I go? And then I started, you know, looking at other careers and he, you know, encouraged me to apply for faculty positions. And um, I'm very fortunate, <laughs> I feel, uh, to end up at, at UC San Diego. I mean, to, uh, faculty positions are very limited. I spent uh, several years in Buffalo um, and I'm very fortunate to be able to come back to UC San Diego where I'm close to home. Um, you know, great location, great university, one of the top universities in, in the world. And I mentioned, I, um, in my career, I was always driven by the shake tables, right? The little toy I started playing with that you survived. I did my PhD at Berkeley because at the time they had the biggest shake tables. Buffalo had built two shake tables when I first got there. And I'm here at UC San Diego, we're building like the largest, well, we have the largest shake table, but now we're upgrading it. We have like a 16 million uh, grant from from um, the National Science Foundation to upgrade it, to have it move like in all three degrees of freedom. Um, so it's certainly um, an honor to be here. And uh, I feel very fortunate to, to follow that path and you know, be able to do what I like to do. And I'm still making toy models a lot bigger now and breaking them on shake, shaking tables. Yeah, so it was the mentorship, I think really that, uh, that got me to, to where I am today. What I want to add is that we have a lot of mentorship programs at UCSD, especially with, through the Jacobs School of Engineering. So feel free to reach mm -hmm. out to me if you have any questions about those programs. Uh, Professor Kramer, so again, tell us about your journey and what you think helped you succeed in becoming a faculty member at UCSD. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so, so my journey was, you know, obviously started in, in Germany for, for a little bit for undergraduate and then I started uh, coming to the US originally only as an exchange student, uh, but I kind of liked it so much. I felt the system was so much more open, so much more conducive to asking questions, having more time with professors, having more of their attention. 
And uh, I had a great advisor too for my master thesis and then I continued to stay uh, for a PhD thesis. And I think every step along the way, when I was an undergrad, I worked, uh, but I worked simple jobs. I didn't do inter internships at like engineering companies. I basically just you know, did jobs on the side to kind of make money as I was going along in my undergrad. And all the while, you know, all the, I would say the more maybe affluent or, uh, you know, the not first generation students were obviously working at, you know, in Germany at like Bosch and Siemens and Airbus and doing all these cool internships. And, and I wasn't doing any of them. But then once I got into grad school, I was like, well, I got to catch up and do some of it. And, you know, there was always this notion of, you know, should I continue to go down an academic route or should I go into industry? And obviously the industry always waves with like the big bucks and they're like, oh, you can be successful here. You can make money here, all the cool stuff. You can travel. Um, so, I, so I went and did a few internships at an insurance company just to see what financial mathematics looks like. And every time I did an internship, I kind of felt just not, not happy afterwards. I mean, that the experience was great, but I always felt like, someone tells me what to do and and I just have to do it without asking too many questions like you know run this analysis do this and then report it to me kind of thing and I noticed that the people that got the coolest work to do were the ones that had PhDs <laughs> and the ones that actually uh you know were able to think critical and so then I I went on this journey and said okay now now I have to I really want to know more I wrote a master thesis and I felt I knew nothing so I was like, I definitely want to do a PhD. Then I did a PhD. And, and so after I finished the PhD, it was kind of the same feeling, unfortunately. I knew a slice of something, but there was so much I didn't know. And, and I was like, well, now I got to do a postdoc. Um, and so then I started doing a postdoc and explored a little bit more topics aside from my PhD area. And then along the way of the postdoc, I just kept asking more questions and I was like well how about this and this seems unfinished business and that would be kind of cool to do and so I think this all kind of drove me further um, to kind of continue and then end up at UCSD where I said I have all these open questions and all these questions I would like to answer long term and obviously the best environment to do that is at a university where you can you know get tenure and you can pursue your own research interests and your uh, research agenda and that felt like the right setting so I think for me, I did have a great PhD mentor who was very supportive. Um, but ultimately, I felt like it was me who kind of always asked more questions and, and kind of kept motivating myself to do the next step and convincing myself that I just don't know everything I would like to know and always kind of like go to the next step. I was fortunate enough that along the way, um, you know, I did help. I, at colleagues that I could talk to and, and got feedback from and, and I could make it on this journey. But I think the best thing along the way is, is just talking to your peers. Um, your peers change. So some of the people I studied with undergrad, they're, I'm not no longer in touch with, but your peers always change as you move on. And peers are, I, I feel are the best source of, of, um, just feedback you can get and the best source of help because many of them have been through the same situation. Um, whether they be at this point, at some point, it really doesn't, once you're kind of kicked off, I felt, um, you know, later now that I'm, I'm here, um, I, I really can, can talk to UCSD has a great support network and you can talk to just about anyone and we'll get some good help. So yeah, that's kind of how I got here.
Yeah. So my journey um, actually started in undergrad where I was doing outreach and I played with, I was actually a chemistry major, not electrical computer engineering. So in chemistry, you have a lot of hands-on projects and the outreach to kids were really fun to do. So from then, I also were like, um, playing with things and I was like, this is really fun. I want to play with things and not stuck at a desk, you know, doing, I also have other jobs in college because I need to pay my way, right? So um, I find those type of lab manager, um, lab assistant job that's much more fun for me. And so from then on, I get to know the faculty much better because I'm their TAs, right? And lab assistant. And, and then they tell me, oh, if you want to go to graduate school, you don't need to pay in engineering. They pay you a stipend to do it. And then I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> of course, then I want to, you know, get paid to do something that I like. So that's how I got into PhD programs. So yeah, a lot of times just do your best at the job that you have and people will tell you things. They see potential in you and then they bring you new information that you can use to uh, push yourself further. And then for after PhD, I actually didn't want to go to academia because I thought my whole life has been spent in school. Uh, so I asked my advisor for internship in uh, industry. And actually I worked in industry for nine years before coming back and I really love it. Um, industry has a different environment and it does have better money. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you have less freedom. And freedom is what attracts me to come back to academia. And also you have the mission of education, right? And that's a really good mission, not just bottom line of shareholder price. So there's different attraction. Um, and so that's how I came back five years um, ago, back to academia. Um, and that process also have some help along the way. My previous boss who worked with me in industry uh, become an academic and then she know the position opened, um, you know, within UC. And so she forwarded me the, uh, the position and say, hey, maybe you should look into this. You might like it. And so, yeah, again, it's somebody opening the door and letting you know that maybe you can look into a new opportunity. So that's how I get to here. We have one question in the Q&A. Again, I encourage you to ask uh, questions that come up. Uh, so looking back, what are some things you would tell your previous self when you first started college? Professor Kramer. I, I think uh, it's a great question because you know, many of us are like, I mean, I, I look back and I said like, oh, wish, gosh, I had done this differently. And I think the main thing would be just to reach out and to ask questions. Um, you will, you know, there's, you know, are there mistakes that I might've made at some point? Yes, I did, but I learned something from them, you know? And so some of the mistakes I actually would not even want to avoid. <laughs> so I don't want to go back and change something that, that I learned something from. But the one thing I could have learned even more if, if I had asked more questions, I feel. And I think that's the that's the main thing I would change, just be more open and, and understanding 
that the other side, which is, you know, the people you talk to are very, most of the time, very, very open and um, to, to helping you and, and want to help you. I mean, it's, it's our mission to do that. And so I would just encourage you to ask more questions, you know, to, uh, if you're in a class, you know, go to the office hours, um, you know, be prepared, you know, with one good question. And, and that always stands out. Uh, nowadays, when I'm on the other side, and I, you know, see students joining my office hours, you know, it's hard when you have a class of 150 students to remember people. Um, but if someone shows up in your office hour consistently and has even just one good question, um, that is very, very helpful. At the end of the day, if you're a first-gen student or not a first-gen student, whoever you are, um, if you want to continue in your career, at some point you need something that's called recommendation letters. <laughs> and uh, for and it doesn't matter who you are, you need them for any all type of job, for industry references, for academia, even more so. And you know, if it was hard at some point for me to come up with letters. Um, when I was a student, I was like, who should I ask? What should I do? And I noticed I got myself into trouble just by, by the way I didn't ask questions or I didn't introduce myself to the professors. I didn't show up at, at the office hours. And all of that would have helped for a professor to say, yes, yeah, sure. I've, I've seen Boris in my office hours. You know, he's um, he's been, you know, lively, asked questions. I can write something well about him. So I think that's one thing you shouldn't, shouldn't underestimate that you all of us, I also need recommendation letters from senior colleagues. Uh, all of us at some point in this whole system need recommendations all the time. And those are some things that will, uh, you know, make your career smoother and, and make you get that job in industry or at the national lab or at in the, the position in grad school. So just asking more and being more engaged, as hard as it is as a first-gen student, um, would have, I think, helped me even more so if I was... I was to go back. Professor Mosqueda. Oh, you're still on mute. Sorry, Mita, I had a little bit of background noise with kids running around the house here. Um, yeah, so I, I, a lot of lessons learned along the way. And uh, I, I think probably the most important one for me too, with what, what Boris mentioned in terms of uh, uh, being able to ask more questions, to have, to not be shy, to have, you know, be more bold, be more brave, ask more, um, more questions um, in class, in office hours, or go to office hours and don't be so um, scared of professors. Uh, we don't bite <laughs> most of the time. Um, but it, it, it's uh, that's a very important point in getting to know professors and them getting to know you. And that's you know one key thing I think. If one thing you, you could get out of, especially if you're, if you're approaching your like junior or senior level classes, you need to have good contact with professors that are going to write you letters of of, um, of uh, recommendation. Um, and you know that's probably not just for college. That's in life in general. You know just be more bold um, and ask questions. What's the worst that can happen, right? People are gonna tell you no, you know, might hurt your feelings, so well, get over it and move on, right? It, it's not gonna, you know, hold you down for a long time. So yeah, just ask more, ask more questions. 
Uh, and then the other one is that, that I wish I would have done a little bit earlier is um, study groups uh, to form those a little bit earlier on. And, and you know, I mentioned I, I struggled my first year, um, second year, I started kind of turning things around a little bit. And I think a big part of that was uh, study groups and um, recognizing that, you know, I, I really couldn't learn from going to lecture and, you know, hearing the professor talk for an hour. Um, you kind of get some stuff, but I think where really things really made sense was when you're in your study group and you're talking about the homework, you're interacting with others about, about the problems and whether it is you are teaching them or they are teaching you, either way you win, because I felt like, you know, when I was explaining something to someone, I learned it better, right? By trying to figure out or thinking about a way to explain a concept. Um, so that, and that's what I have to do now as a teacher all the time. But, you know, I think as, as, a, as, as a, a student, um, uh, I think that's what helped me a little bit more and understand the classes then. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, when we teach a class, you know, there's, there's probably topics that I know very well, others that I don't that I have to teach. And how do I learn very well? Well, you know, maybe read through textbooks, I got to teach it. I got to, you know, be so comfortable that I have to talk about it myself. And um, that's how you really get to know the material. Right, so being able to talk about it. Professor Tina. Yeah. For um, what would I tell myself? Maybe don't be so hard on yourself when you have failures, just like what we have been saying. Like failures is what you use to learn. Um, so sometimes I get so disappointed, but at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just part of the process. Um, yeah, so just don't get discouraged too easily and just keep trying. Thank you all for sharing that. Uh, for my next question is, what were some of the unique challenges you faced as a first-generation student? How did you overcome them? Professor Prima. Sorry, always this mute button. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, unique challenges, I think they're unique to first generation students is that, you know, you just don't have necessarily the support network. And, you know, when you, when I talked at the beginning that I didn't have necessarily the internship experience that I wanted or that I noticed I should have had in hindsight, um, a lot of friends were doing stuff, um, you know, some of the reasons or ways they found their internships is because, you know, an uncle works at, you know, Siemens or one of the big companies or dad works there and something works out or mom knows a friend. And there's a lot of network and, and connections that you don't necessarily have. And, you know, once you have these connections, obviously it makes it easier. Now you go into the company, you're an intern, uh, you're the son of X, uh, daughter of X. And, you know, it, you're just being treated a little bit differently. And I think um, that is a challenge you have to, we have to overcome as first generation students because we, um, you know, like I said, my dad was a car mechanic. If I was going to an engineering company and tell them about my dad, they necessarily, I mean, they don't know him as a person or anything, but they, they know I'm not coming from that, you know, academic background. And I think, yeah, just 
this, this has been a challenge and maybe slowed down at the beginning. And, you know, it just made maybe the first two or three years slower than they should have been. Um, but eventually I was able to catch up and just, you know, once the good grades come in and you start like to notice that, you know, I could go with all these people that are sitting in my class, I can definitely get the same grades and the top students can get. And I kind of know how the system works now. I think then, then came the confidence and came the time where I was like, okay, I'm, I think I can do this. I'm, but the first few years are definitely hard. And just because of the, the lack of maybe role models in your immediate, immediate family, um, the lack of support that maybe some other uh, more, more privileged, you know, students would have from more privileged backgrounds. But ultimately, you know, that the, the hard work and just the kind of sticking to it is something that I feel like as a first generation student you have and some other people don't. Um, because when things come very easy to you and everything's kind of being handed to you, you don't necessarily understand why you need to work hard for something, right? And, and I think we understand that, you know, hard work gets you somewhere. I mean, it got my, you know, my family who's, who didn't go to, to college, you know, um, to build their own house uh, and do all, all the things that they wanted to, just by putting in the work and, and persevering through things. And I think that's just one of the, the key assets that, that you should recognize you have this asset, that you understand where work and perseverance can get you and other students don't necessarily know that. And with that in mind, I think once again, now sitting on the other side where I'm looking at students, um, I love first generation students. I mean, I, I, I like students with diverse backgrounds. I like the transfers from community college. Oftentimes they work, you know, much harder. Um, they're much more motivated to like prove it um, to themselves um, than someone who has been given everything to them. And so uh, as faculty, we definitely recognize that and we're very happy um, to help as much as we can to even out the playing field uh, from day one. Professor Mosqueda. Uh, so these are the unique challenges. Um, so there's, um, uh, I, I, I think there again, it, it's the, I think it's the transition and starting in in college and not knowing uh, a whole lot of um, no not knowing a lot of people and I think to a big extent maybe not having the confidence that you could do this uh, not believing in yourself that that you could do this and um, and you know, to some extent saying, well, it's okay if I got a C because you know I'm not as prepared as some of my, my colleagues. And I mean, I could tell you now, I, I grew up in, in, um, in, in, inter, in, in, in LA in inner city schools. Right now I live in the suburbs here in San Diego a middle-class environment. And I look at what my kids are doing in school. I mean, my kids are 10th grade and they're taking calculus AB, which I took in 12th grade. It was like an honors class. And so it's a very different environment, the type of school structure they have versus what I had. Right, I think my school offered like two AP classes or something like that. Um, and so when you get to college and you're, you're mixed in with all these students, it, it's, very, it's a very different level of preparation. And so you do feel it, um, but that doesn't mean you can't catch up. And what that means is it's gonna take a lot of effort, a lot of hard work to, to get there. Um, and 
um, you know, to me, it was kind of that transition. My first year, I didn't do so well. Second year, I started doing a lot better, but it took a lot of work. Um, it took a lot of hard work to, to do that, to um, not only catch up, but to say the average, even of the class, but to, you know, be able to, to be, be able to reconcile with one of the top students in the class. Um, it just took a lot of work and dedication. And it was, you know, the study groups, the, the mentorship, I think it was everything combined that kind of gave me the confidence to believe that, yeah, I could do this. And, um, and you know, once I feel like once I was there and, you know, your professors begin to recognize you, then you get more confident and, um, and then you're able to do well in, in, um, in college. And then, you know, GPA is, is, is always the first number people look at. And, you know, as, as unfortunate as that is, um, you know, once I started doing well and getting good grades, then all doors opened up a lot easier for, for me. And so that's, uh, that's somewhere to, to start, right? And, and, you know, do well in your classes and a lot of doors will open up for you after that. And it could be hard given a first gen, you're, you, if you're a first generation student and if you didn't go to, you know, one of these high schools like the ones my kids are going to now. <laughs> uh, it, it could be it could be a challenging start, but you can do it. It's just going to take a lot of hard work. Yeah, um, I think part of the challenge is to explain what you're doing to your family as well. So half of the time when they ask me what I'm doing, it takes me like some time to explain to them what I'm doing. So the understanding and communication between parents and you might be a little bit harder because really they have no background and context of what you're doing. And like, why do you even need to go on internship in the summer? Why don't you go home, right? Something that's more like taken for granted for people who have been to college, but not yet for the parent you also need to educate but i think honestly like just do your best and then um things will open yeah gpa is important but not the end of the world it's really the fundamental understanding that you need to succeed in your career right it's not the number but whether you can actually do the work in the future to be an engineer a good one that you will keep getting hired um, and, and I think to make sure that, yeah, you can communicate back with your family and to just push them so that you explain to them why this is important, how it impacts society, they will be proud of you. And honestly, like how, what can go wrong, right? Starting from the bottom, you only have up to go, <laughs> you can't go any further down so you're just gonna go up <laughs> i really like that i think i'll put on a little sticky now you can there's only up from here <laughs> thank you uh i know it's uh we have 15 minutes left so i do encourage again for those that are here to submit any questions you'll have uh so then what is your advice to first generation engineering college students interested in pursuing academia or industry um, for those interested in pursuing academia um, or industry, I guess the question is either will I pick one or the other? Or, um, you can pick academia since you are an academic. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I can look, look at either, but 
it, you know, it, I'm assuming most most uh, students are undergraduates or recent grads, and um, you know, but I, I always advise students, uh, especially like I teach a, a, a at the undergraduate level, a junior level class, and some of the students, you know, really think about grad school. You should really go to grad school, and I always encourage them to get a master's. You know, master's you should definitely get, and especially like in, in my field in in uh, in uh, building uh, bridge design, a master's really uh, pays off in terms of in terms of the types of projects you can do, and most of the like the good companies only look at master's students, but I never <laughs> push anybody to get a PhD. I think the PhD has to come from within you because it is a very challenging process. Uh, it's something you really got to want. It's something you really got to like, and you really got to like the research. Um, and I did have a student that I talked to about, uh, um, you know, going on, going, going on to a master's, and he was kind of started getting interested in the PhD. And after all, like, no, this is not for me. And I think that that, that says a lot in terms of you know, it's something you really, really got to want because it is, uh, uh, it's, it's a pretty tough process. And if it's the research you like, I mean, I really like the research. I really like the teaching. I really, and I love the flexibility of my job. Um, so and I'm, I feel very fortunate again to, you know, have this, to have this position, uh, especially at a, at a place like UCSD. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, uh, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't say enough about the benefits of the job, um, but it, it is, I think the, 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 the PhD um, process in particular, I mean, there, there was, and you know, as, talking to some of my colleagues who were doing the PhD, it was like, there was points where like, <laughs> what am I doing here? I've <laughs> been working on the same project for two, three years. Uh, so it, it is a challenging process that, you know, make sure it's something you, re you really, really want to do. Professor Kramer. Yeah, I agree fully with uh, Gilberto that it's it's very very important that you have the right motivation for. Um, you, you always at every stage you make a decision, you should always look at give a very hard look at the alternatives. So just because you have been four years in school doesn't mean you have to be another five years in school. <laughs> um, just because that's the only thing you've known so far doesn't mean that there's nothing else out there. So. You know, as you're, um, I agree also fully that we have some nice programs here, um, the BSMS programs that are sometimes only take you one year and you have a master's and, and all of a sudden you get out there and get to do a lot more interesting stuff than someone with a bachelor's degree gets to do. Um, but the PhD level really needs to come from you having looked at all the alternatives and saying, okay, I don't want to work at you know, that earthquake company, uh, or I don't want to work at Amazon or Google or at McKinsey or at an NGO or at some startup. I really thought, or the national labs or wherever you want to work, I really thought about, I have the cur curiosity, the drive and the perseverance to, you know, stick through four or five years and doing my PhD. And um, <clears throat> things aren't always easy. There'll be setbacks after a year, after two years, after three years. Um, you might have to change your direction. Um, something that I did, I, I got right after my master's, wrote my master's thesis, had a couple of questions from there and started working on those. And then after a year, one and a half, I noticed that um, 
I was in a field at the time that was extremely, I kind of wanted to do that, but my, my uh, faculty advisor, my uh, professor was not necessarily um, very active in that field. It was a curiosity of mine. And he said, yeah, I'll support you. You know, I'll ask, we'll, we'll do this. But then I noticed that I was the only guy doing this in my group. And here are all the, the massive groups from Europe that were publishing papers on this stuff, like 15 papers a year. And I was just chasing and I was being stressed out about always being in a competition. So I, I noticed I had to change my direction to, to have some time to think through problems without having the pressure of competing with other groups for stuff. And um, so, so there's changes in directions in grad school and you'll have to go through those. Um, but just make sure you're aware of all of this, um, all the challenges a graduate education will bring like, but also all the great things it brings. Um, you get to explore, you get to write your own thing. Your final thesis is your own product that you wrote and that you should be proud of. Um, but adding to this, regardless if you go to academia or industry, what I've already said before is the advice I would give you is make sure you talk to people early enough. Either way you're going, um, you do need letters. <laughs> so uh, make sure you talk to us and you're well prepared so you can get the job that you like. Um, and sometimes this depends on the letters you have. If, if we all don't know you and we can only write fairly bland letters, then you know it's hard to get the right job. But if everyone can write a stellar letter about you because we've met you, we've uh, seen your curiosity, your interest, your intellect, then that's, that's half the job already. So, um, you know, make sure you talk to people and so you can get to your dreams and you can reach your goals. Uh, sometimes you need a little bit of help and, and make sure you get that help. We're here, to, we're, we're here for you. Professor Tina? Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with um, Boris. Look at alternatives. Don't just think, oh, my friends are doing this, so I should do that as well. You, you have to be honest with yourself, whether that is important to you, money or not, exactly the same thing, right? If you want to go to industry only because of the money, is that really the most important thing to you at, at that time, right? Sometimes that 200 case salary looks good but if your lifestyle is not something you want you will be miserable in that lifestyle so yeah just be honest with yourself and think about um, what you really want to do um, and then be committed right if you're doing a PhD it is tough but most of the time once you are admitted it means you actually can make do it if you are committed um, so yeah <laughs> that's what I would say. There's one question in the Q&A. Did anything surprise you after getting into academia? We'll go with Professor Tina. Oh, uh, something that surprised us? Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit, it's a full-time job as in you never turn yourself off. In industry, sometimes you have peers that are the same level as you, so you can hand over your thing um, when you go on vacation and completely unplug. <laughs> but once you're uh, um, faculty, you really don't have that luxury to hand over your job to someone else. So even when you're on vacation or late at night, you think back at, oh, what do I have to do with my student? Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of you need to learn how to unplug yourself 
force yourself to do it. Um, in industry, it's a little bit easier because you have peers that are not directly dependent on you. You, I mean, you do manage the team and their livelihood depends on you, but they are grown ups, right? They are not young people. So yeah, that's the difference. <laughs> Professor Kramer? It's an it's a interesting question. Has any, anything surprised me? Um, I mean, surprises are on a weekly basis uh, when you sometimes things are, think that things are straightforward and they aren't. Uh, but I, I think what really surprised me is that, I mean, just the process of research, I didn't know um, what it takes to do research, what it takes to answer questions. And, and it always surprises me that when you start out um you think maybe you have this naive uh thought of like oh yeah we can do this and that and then then this should work pretty well and then somewhere along the way you just open up another can of worms uh but that's the process of research that's a great thing and it's at least the reason i am here um i like the process you know uh i always say you never answer questions you just answered one question and another one opened up um and and I, I think that's just a, that's been more of, I didn't expect that when I first came, I, I thought, you know, I didn't know how to do research necessarily. No, I mean, my, none of my parents taught me that, but. Professor Mosqueda. Um, I think yeah, yeah, I think the, the, And nothing ever ends or something else going on you know your classes finish but then the research and other things you know you have to have students always uh keep going um and that's something that maybe not until recently i've been maybe even practicing after doing this almost um going on 20 years or so um uh, maybe uh, 16 17 years and, and you know to be at least you know during important holidays take a couple of days off completely and just and just you know, get, unplug and get a, get away from from this. Uh, but yeah, it is a continuous um, challenge. You know, new things come up every day, and just involved in in so many different things. Um, but you know, and most of these things, you know, like this event, for example, is things that I enjoy doing. So uh, it is certainly re rewarding. Thank you. I will go ahead and wrap up. Um, parting thoughts. What is that? Uh, the last piece of advice that you want to provide our students um, who are in this webinar. This recording will also be posted on our YouTube channel. We'll start with Professor Kramer. I think I've said it many times, but can't say, say it often enough. You know, uh, don't be shy and ask questions. Uh, no one will judge you. Uh, everyone will be, uh, you know, happy and will be supportive and encouraging when you ask these questions. Uh, we like, like our students to succeed. You know, we want to make UCSD that, that, you know, continue to have it being a great brand name, being graduating really good students. Um, our education here is world-class and it means a lot to us um, to keep it at that level and to make it even better. So we want to help all of you and, you know, just keep asking questions and, and keep talking to the people. Reach out to us. Professor Mosqueda. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say it, it takes, uh, um, you know, have the, 
confidence to believe that you can do this um, to succeed and do very well in, in what you're doing. Uh, take advantage of the resources that are available to you. <coughs> and that's, you know, the idea center um, professors, you know, we're all here to, uh, to uh, help you uh, get, um, get, get the college successfully. And um, I mean, and you got to admit it to UC San Diego because you can't do it. So you can do it. Um, and just, yeah, it, you know, it, it does take a lot of work, but um, you know, it, it, it's possible. So hang in there. And uh, I know these are very different times from, uh, from uh, what we may be used to, um, but uh, hang in there and, you know, hopefully we're all in the classroom back in the fall. And Professor Tina? Yeah, likewise. Just iterate that reaching out when you feel like you need help. Um, and everyone has imposter syndrome once in a while, including me. And we even have a name for it now, right? Before that, I don't even know how to describe that feeling. But now we all know it's called imposter syndrome. So when you feel like um, you need some help and confidence boost, just talk to someone. Um, find a way to think about your situation. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we, we can all do it. Just have confidence in yourself and figure it out with help from others. Thank you so much. I just want to again thank our uh, great panelists. Thank you for sharing your own story as a first-generation college student and now being a faculty member for the Jacobs School of Engineering. Um, again, uh, thank you for those who attended as well. As mentioned earlier, this recording will be posted on the Idea Center YouTube channel. Um, Professor Kramer, to our professors here, I'll make sure to share the recording with you if this is something you all would like to uh, look back at or share with some of your own students. Um, other than that, thank you all so much for attending uh, during your lunchtime hour.